0: I'm so thankful that I, at this old ripe age of 68, I still have a halfway decent memory, although it's not, I can't, what's with this wire here, let's get this out of the way. Um, you You know, if you know me, you know that I've always struggled a little bit, because my wife says that I'm just, you know, got so much crazy stuff going on, so I once in a while forget things. I'll never forget when Linda and I started the church in Port Edwards which was back in the early 80s. And, um, and one, one Wednesday afternoon, Linda brought our son Benjamin, who just turned 35, yes, a couple days ago, uh, and uh, brought him to the church as a baby, put him down for a nap and said, now when he wakes up, bring him home. And um, so that was my instructions. My, that, those were my instructions. And... Um, I just remember we were just poorer than snot. I mean, is that a bad, that's a bad thing to say. Anyway, we were very poor, and we were in need of a car, and somebody called and said, hey, I found a great van for you guys. It's a great deal, friend of ours, and so why don't you go check it out? And so I immediately got up, and the church was empty, locked the door, went out, and checked out the van, then ran a bunch of errands, and then later on, late afternoon, I walked into the house, and the first thing Linda says was, well, where's Ben? And I didn't say a word. I just turned around, went back to the Yemta Church building, retrieved my little baby boy, Ben, from the nursery, went home to a very upset wife, and I was a bad dad. Anybody relate to that? Um, um, Anyway, I'd like to say that, that, you know, while human memory is a gift from God, and there have been times when, you know, I've wondered about that gift in my own life, if that incident was the only time that that happened, then I could say that 's almost forgivable, But then I remember uh, that there was another time it was during an evening service back when we had evening services and and I forgot our daughter Bats sleeping under the pew and i when the service was done, and uh, we hugged our last neck and I turned the lights off and locked the doors went home. And again, Linda asked when I walked in, where's bets? And without a word, I turned around. I went back to the church building, unlocked the door, went, turned the lights on, a very dark sanctuary, found my little sleeping daughter underneath uh, one of the pews and went home to the wrath of my wife. Uh, My bad. But then you wonder, well, where was Linda at this time? Shouldn't she have known? Never mind. (laughs) You know, in spite of those incidents, um, and Zach, I said last night, I asked him, I said, what do you want me to preach? And kind of, you know, last minute stuff, I'm doing my best here. He says, well, you know, talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and whatever. Well, I'm thankful that uh, I have a memory, period, you know, but I have found that memory is a gift from God, you know, we are able to see and hear and think about yesterday in ways that powerfully influence our today and our tomorrow. And it's unimaginable for us that we could live without the memories of yesterday or the hope of tomorrow. I'm sure that many of you, when you're around your Thanksgiving table, you're thinking of, you're remembering your you know, and the conversations kind of go this way and that, and for the most part, it's good. You know, it's it's really good. Would you join me this morning in a collective exercise of remembering? And just by the raised hands, okay, if you remember some of these, if you were there and you remember some of these incidences in history, just raise your hand, okay? So first one is, uh, how many of you remember... The day that President Abraham Lincoln was shot. Raise your hand, please. None of you. Oh, forget it. There's always one in the crowd. Okay, anyway, uh, here's another one. How many of you remember the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed? Anybody? Well, I think most of them are dying off, aren't they? Here's one that I'll get a few hands. How many of you remember the day that President Kennedy was assassinated? Raise your hand. Yeah, there's a few of you. I was 13 years old and in gym class, and they shut the school down, sent us all home, and crazy. Never forget it. How many of you remember the day that the Challenger exploded? Raise your hand. Yes. Wow, that was a biggie, wasn't it? Uh, How many of you remember the day that the World Trade Center came down? Yeah. Turn to someone and and tell them where you were when you heard the news of terrorism on September the 11th, 2001. Just go ahead and do that, if you were even born. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, memories change over time, generations Change in history is forgotten, and um, and uh, the worst of memories can be suppressed. The best of memories will often fade with time. Nursery homes are filled with residents who can remember the exact words of a conversation they had 50 years ago and can't remember... What they had for breakfast? I I know my you know my mother is ninety seven years old. She's still going strong. Uh, she's in a wonderful home in Minneapolis area, and uh, she, uh, often she will tell me the same stories. One in particular, how she remembers sitting on her grandfather's lap and he rocking her, and but she can't remember. I say, mom, what did you have for breakfast today? Uh, just cause she can't remember that. I can understand that because I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but. Our generation uh, really has somehow, got, you know, focused become heavily focused on the healing of bad memories. We're we're seeing more and more counseling sessions and all of this stuff, and and um, <clears throat> we all have memories that have not <clears throat> been what you what you would say healed with with time. I I, I think there's some that I struggle with yet, and. And some of the memories of yesterday have become even more painful as the years have gone by. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the second letter of uh, St. Peter? St. Peter. Um, I think Peter was not so concerned about the healing of bad memories as. As he was about forgetting good memories, he was an old man by old by um, uh, first century standards, and and I just wonder if there were days when Peter couldn't remember the features of Jesus, just could not remember the features of Jesus' face and and precisely quote some of the words that he spoke, and and I'm wondering if that didn't scare him a bit, and and he knew that if he could remember the good, he could he would have the strength to face the bad well knowing that he would soon die he wanted to face eternity filled with good thoughts that's just my take on this and so his approach was both therapeutic and supernatural therapeutic In that healing uh, the bad memories, it's never really enough. It's what we would say is a sum zero exercise. But supernatural in that good memories are really God's tool to transform our minds. Now hold that thought for just a moment. Peter probably wrote many letters to first century Christians. But only two made it uh, into the New Testament. First and second Peter. And so what we call second Peter... It was penned uh, shortly before the death, his death in Rome. He knows that he's going to die, and, and he writes with passion and with the wisdom of a godly old man. Well, this is one of my favorite books, and so I think this is why I decided to take this apart a little bit this morning. In the second chapter of First Peter chapter, or Second Peter chapter 3, um we we experience the anger of of Peter against false teachers who deceive and damage Christians and churches and and so we we get a little bit of a picture of who Peter was in this but then we go to the third chapter and it's like his tone kind of settles down and he writes with the tender words of a loving pastor i want us to take a look at just two verses okay in verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 3, now pretend that you're reading Peter's words for the first time, written personally to you. Peter writes, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So before Peter tells us What to remember, he explains why. Why to remember, and it is to stimulate wholesome thinking in us. Do you ever think about what you think about? I heard about a guy who sat in his office chair thinking about all of his worries until he became so upset he passed out. (laughs) Peter's ideas to stimulate wholesome thinking wasn't really unique to him. St. Paul taught this very important concept in Philippians, his letter to the Philippians. and In Philippians chapter 4, here are a couple of verses, 8 and 9 in particular, that if I were you, I would commit to memory, I think, and encourage your kids to. Because this is what Paul said. He said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure... Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, he says, the God of peace will be with you. In other words, think wholesome thoughts. Practice remembering and the peace of God will be with you. This is um, a whole lot more than the power of positive thinking. This is the power of Christian thinking, and Peter assumes <clears throat> that we want wholesome thinking, worry-free living, and the peace of God plus a, a good night's sleep. And so he tells us how he tells us how to think right, and this is so important. So. Let's be sure that we get this right friends. The way to transform our present thinking is through right remembering. What we remember about the past changes how we think in the future and are in the present and about the future. So, look at verse 2, okay? He says, "I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets." and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your prophets. So there's like it's like a, a, a two-part memory program that, that Peter puts before us. And first on his two-part memory is, list are the words spoken. Specifically, he says, the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. Peter has in mind the many predictions that were made by old testament prophets that point toward jesus hundreds and thousands of years before jesus was even born prophets told about his life his death his his resurrection and then also the anticipation of his second coming back to earth which by the way has not happened yet. Well, Peter believed that remembering the prophets' fulfilled predictions would bolster faith in the fulfillment of still unfulfilled predictions. And one of Peter's main points is that the Old Testament is just simply loaded with Jesus. Let me give you a rather unusual, and interesting example. I don't know if, I'm sure many of you, if you saw it, you remember Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. I watched it once. It's such a difficult movie for me to watch. If you saw it, it's difficult to forget it. There's a strange scene, though, near the beginning of, of that movie where this snake crawls around Jesus' feet in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's, uh, it's crucifixion eve, and there's really no biblical record of the new testament of that actually happening but rather it it's a presentation of the fulfillment of the first prophecy of jesus in the bible theologians call this the the uh, proto evangelium which is the greek for the first gospel mentioned in the old testament which is genesis chapter 3 verse 15 don't lose me on this genesis three fifteen, it says he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's a quote from God the Father speaking to the serpent Satan in the Garden of Eden. And it is a prediction that Satan will inflict serious pain on Jesus like the snake bite on the foot, but that Jesus would someday crush the head and the power of Satan on the cross. And in the movie, the, the Jesus' sandaled foot stomps on the head of the snake. Now, of course, this is just one of many biblical prophecies and promises. Most of the rest are not quite as strange and much easier to understand. So, let me just give you a few that are more familiar. The twenty-third Psalm: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Love it. Hebrews chapter 13. God's promise to you as a Christ follower. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And then a favorite of Linda's and mine, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And the list just goes on and on and on. Hundreds and hundreds of divine promises of God throughout the scripture, the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets but then there's an even broader application of Peter's teaching in 2 Peter 3 1 and 2 and it is to remember the words God has spoken to us personally the miracles that he has done in our lives the blessings that he has given to us the the ways that he has the ways that he has seen us through very difficult circumstances. And I remember, I look out, and I remember some of the difficult circumstances that some of you went through and how God brought you through it. And and the point is, remember, 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 as God has been faithful to us in the past, so God will be faithful to us in the present and into the future which reminds me of another word spoken in the past by a holy prophet, the prophet Jeremiah, who in Lamentations, and this grand old hymn often is sung around this time of the year, Thanksgiving. Jeremiah said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness and i say to myself the lord is my portion therefore i will wait for him the lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him Hmm. well there is a second on peter's two-part memory list and that is the command given and specifically, he remembers the expectations of Jesus. He says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So what command of Jesus is Peter speaking of? Well, he says that the source of our information is the apostles, which included Peter himself. And he's talking about the words of Jesus that are recorded in the New Testament you know, Jesus gave many commands. Repent, believe, trust, be baptized, pray, give, go, teach others about Jesus. There was a, a religious lawyer who one day came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is which is the greatest commandment of in the law and Jesus replied, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now, I'm going to say that's good enough for me. Although I think Peter had more in mind. Not any one particular command, but all of the commands, all of them, combined all of the commands of jesus combined all rolled up into one it would simply be to live christianly live like jesus and some people think you know it's a bit hard to do but then jesus said come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so if you go back to 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2 and roll it all together, let me, let me read it again. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets, and the commands given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus, through your apostles. In order to live right, you have to think right. In order to think right, you have to remember the words of God and the commands of Jesus. And I say to you, this wonderful church, don't forget to remember. Remember, 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 remember. Um, there's an old American tradition of tying a string around your finger so that you won't forget. I, I, I was thinking on the way over here, I wish I would have had a ball of string. I would have cut a whole bunch off and given, given each of you a small piece. I remember my mother tying a string around one of her fingers so that she wouldn't forget. She had the same problem, that, or I have the same problem that she had, one or the other anyway. I want to encourage you to go home do this with your kids. Find a little string, tie it around your finger just for the day or for the week and, and, and then call it perhaps your St. Peter's reminder string. Tie the, tie, tie the string around your finger and when thinking sinful thoughts, look at the string. When consumed with worry, look at the string. When uncertain about your future, look at the string And when you see the string, remember God's past faithfulness to you. When you see the string, remember God's words to you. When you see the string, remember Jesus' commands to you. Remember, remember, remember. Let's pray together. Father God, we're so grateful that we have your word. It... uh, brings so much um, promise and so much peace and comfort and this morning we remember your faithfulness in particular and we pause once again may this not be a once once a year activity but we pause to say thank you for your word and thank you for your promises and and thank you, God, that you give us the strength to follow your commands. I thank you, God, for this church and just the many stories that have been started in this building and in its future. We thank you, God, for the past here and for the future, for the present. May we each, God, as we begin this this now season of Christmas and new year may we may we continue to just live these lives of remembering and may we always remember to be thankful if there are needs here this morning in this congregation may we be reminded that God you are a God who performs the miraculous you do the impossible Perhaps there are some impossible needs here. And so we come this morning in the name of Jesus, the one who performs the impossible, performs the miraculous. And we ask on that individual's behalf for a miracle to be performed, for a life to be changed, for a future God that brings peace of mind and And, Lord, if there are those here this morning who have yet to commit their lives to you, may they know, God, that these doors will always be open to them whether they choose to become Christ's followers or not. But I know, God, from personal experience, and as do most here this morning, that that is just the best way to live with Jesus. And so we give a long rope. We continue to love. But I pray that perhaps this morning... This season, that individual, if there is that one here, would say yes to you for the first time and invite you into their life, committing all that they are and all that they have to you. It is the very best way to live. And so, God, I pray that you'll continue to watch over the Mill Church here, and and, uh, we just, again want to say how much we love you as we receive your offering today the ushers prepare to give we ask god that you continue to multiply it i thank you for individuals like gabby who are taking this bold initiative seriously continue to bless lord we pray in jesus name again and everybody said amen amen